So we used to have a beach hut in Thorpe Bay, which was always amazing, just near South End. Used to get all of the older ladies. Not there was one man actually that used to come, and they used to come in their flannel dressing gowns, have their swim, and my mum would have the tea ready, or sometimes it'd be a nip of whiskey, whatever they wanted, and we'd all just have this little community. And I learned so much from them. I was one of the youngest, but they all just, I don't know, they all had a glow about them. That's what I always remember. There was this, it was a different glow. And even if I seen them out at the shops, it just, I don't know what it was. It just felt, I found them a bit magical. Like they were part mermaid, but that's what I used to believe as a child. The joy of swimming. Conversations about open water swimming, hosted by Pat Kelman. Hi, welcome to The Joy of Swimming. My guest today is Imogen Tinkler, and I've known Imogen for a little while in various Facebook groups, and I just thought she'd be a really amazing person to talk to because she's funny, energetic, enthusiastic, all those good things that I want for a good podcast guest. But one of the things that I've found from swimming is that as I've been swimming more and more, I've discovered that people connect on quite a deep level when they're in the water. Somehow inhibitions fall away. And you talk about quite deep and emotional stuff pretty quickly. And I had no idea this would also happen in the podcast. So in addition to talking about her experiences growing up as a swimmer and some very entertaining and enjoyable anecdotes about her adventures in the water. We also go into grief. It serves as a really potent reminder to me of both the support that we get from the water and how the water allows us to open up and often reveal ourselves in ways that we may not even have expected to at the very beginning. That the water is a source of great entertainment and joy, hence the name of the podcast. But it's also a place of great solace and healing and compassion. And I think this conversation covers every possible aspect of that. If I'm honest, it's my mum will always say, my mum was a bit scared of the water and my dad could only swim on his back. Now, my mum was a great swimmer though, but she hit her head on a breakwater and it knocked her out so she had a real fear then of the water and she didn't want me to have that fear so swimming was something that I was doing from a young age but I never know how true it is but mum always said that I got spotted swimming at Warriors um, swimming pool by Sarah Hardcastle's mum who um, was in the Olympics and so they spotted me and they picked me up from training from about a year old and um, so I used to swim consistently and I used to swim twice a day wherever we were in the world but it always makes me laugh because I'm so rubbish at sport I love sport but I'm rubbish but swimming was always the one but a I was really good at it but I loved it and it just gave me that clarity um swimming and I remember when I started I started a new secondary school my parents lived abroad so I came back to boarding school and I asked to try out for the swim team and they said no, we've watched you at sport. You're you're not good enough. And I was, I was 11 and felt a bit dejected. And then in the summer term, when it came to swimming, they said, oh, if you're a strong swimmer, get in the deep end. And if you're not, get in the shallow end. 
I know my limits. So I got straight in the deep end and I was told by that teacher to get back in the shallow end. And I felt that real sadness because I was like, I'm good at this. By the end of that lesson, they asked if I wanted to try out for the swim team and they were using me to demonstrate. But And I kind of wanted to say no, but I loved swimming so much and had missed being able to swim every day that there was no way I was going to say no to that. So swimming's been a big part of my life since since birth, really. And there's so many pictures of me swimming in the sea as a little girl with the dog beside me, so I couldn't go out too far. But yeah, swimming's just, it, yeah, it's part of me. And if I don't swim, I can really feel that in myself. I know, uh, yeah, definitely. When I moved to Leeds, I didn't realise how much I needed the sea. I didn't swim as much competitively, but I definitely swam um, for fun a lot. And also my mum had cancer She got um, when I was at university. And that's quite, it's quite difficult to process in your mind. So swimming was my place where people always say you get angry. And I never feel that I get angry. But I know that some days I'd get in the water and I'd go so fast because it was me. It was just me and the water and my thoughts. And to me, that just gave me some clarity and I always felt a lot better afterwards and then in the summers I remember coming home the first summer from uni my dad said have you got a job I said oh no I'll apply now and dad said well you're meant to have a job before you come home for the summer you're not meant to be applying when you get here and so he gave me two days to find a job and I remember spending a summer working in the pool centre and working in nightclubs collecting glasses but I'm never ever doing that again it was the worst jobs ever so the next year I applied to be a lifeguard out in um, in America and the excitement of getting to wear a lifeguard jumper and sitting there every single day at the lake, just watching people swim. And then they also taught us so that we could teach people to swim. So I taught swimming. I think it's one of my biggest achievements ever in my life was there was two little girls there and I got asked to teach them to swim and their parents or their adoptive parents were, were watching they were so nervous of the water and I didn't know why because no one had told me the background but I didn't push them it was really their lesson to me wasn't getting them to swim it was just getting them to stand in the water the next day was to sit in the water you know just slowly going along but by the end of the summer they were swimming and their parents came up and gave me this big hug and and it still makes me cry now and they said, oh, they've never, they've always been too scared of the water because their parents died in a boat accident and they've seen it happen. They've never got back in the water since. And your pain with them has allowed that to happen. And I'm kind of glad I didn't know what had happened because I probably, I'd have been nervous. I'm, you know, 19 years old. What do I know? But it was that patience with them and it just enjoying it and seeing their love of the, of the water then come back. And I always... I come and get asked in a job interview, what's your proudest moment? And when, as you go on in your career, I still think that's always my proudest moment in any job is bringing children in and, and seeing that love of the water. And we worked a lot as well with children with their learning difficulties. And often people wouldn't think they were as able as they were. And they could do so much. And still now I take um, adults with learning disabilities away to Butlins. And I always make sure that I get to go and do the swimming. And I remember there was one girl who was a Down syndrome. And they said, oh, no, she won't be allowed to go down the slide because, you know, she's Down syndrome. I said, oh, you know, she's a strong swimmer. I wouldn't put someone at risk. It's OK. And then another guy came up and they said, oh, no. And I said, oh, he's been training for the Paralympics. So I think he'll probably 
probably be okay at going down the slide. So it's also that I think everyone becomes equal in the water. And that's one of the things that um, has always stuck with me in life as well is that, yeah, I just, it's when I talk to you, I realise how much swimming has been part of my life. It's only when I started to reflect on it that you realise sometimes, isn't it? Even when I was younger, we used to live in, um, I lived in Essex in South End and people used to laugh at me because people would go for a swim after coming out of the nightclubs and you could hear me on the beach going, get out, get out. And I, there was one little bit where you could swim, but it was very shallow. You know where the sea holds the water in. I wouldn't want people swimming yeah. anywhere, but I was like, if you're going to paddle, paddle in that bit. And they used to laugh at me because everyone would come out of the water really quickly because they thought I was authoritative. And I was drunk as well and been going, get out, <laughs> get out <laughs> but it's that it's that safety and it really but also I think sometimes it's putting other people at risk because if someone did go under or have a problem or get cramp or whatever that is someone else needs to go in to save them and it's about having that respect to the water and understanding how to read it and know it and it's not something we really learn at school even though we live on an island you're never more than 70 miles from the sea and to me, I knew my mum would make me watch to see how the tide came in in Thorpe Bay because it wouldn't come in straight. It comes in kind of like a circle. So people would think it was quite shallow. And then all of a sudden, within seconds, if you couldn't swim, you'd have real difficulty. So it's understanding the water where you live, but also getting that passed down from people that have lived there for longer, that have seen it in the different seasons. Yeah. And it used to be much more like with food, with a, a generational thing where that expertise was shared and sometimes I think we miss that now when you were in America you had a lake you were swimming in was the lake was huge it was absolutely huge and we had the areas cordoned off for people to swim with and then we had separate bits for people to go boating to go kayaking to go water skiing always the Australian boys would be taking them out on the boats and water skiing and then we had and um, we also had one of those really cool um trampolines that you could jump on and jump off and it was uh yeah it was just stunning though to wake up there every morning and go down to the lake and I'd always get up a bit earlier so I could go and have a swim in the morning when the mist was still there and um, because it could still get quite cold you know it was June till September yeah. but it was just an amazing yeah experience to to be on that lake every single day I definitely want to go you can go back to that camp um as having worked there I haven't been there and I can't wait to do that with my little one when she's a bit older what, what what part does swimming play in your in your life right now? Do you know, when lockdown happened in March, you weren't allowed to swim in the sea. Completely understand why. It's because it's putting RNLI and other people at risk. But And then April, you weren't allowed to. And for me, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever gone over four or five weeks with not swimming in the sea. And it really, really hit a massive core for me because swimming just, for my mental health um at the moment i've got i sound i've got what you call it post-traumatic stress does psd oh, i can't pronounce post-traumatic stress. PTSD. Yeah, yeah psd and swimming is something that i know always sets me right um it, uh, there's a reason i think that religions have it that they dunk you under the water because you feel like you're reborn and i definitely feel like that every time I go in the sea and not being able to swim yet earlier this year, I, I, I really felt it. But I had just had a cesarean as well, so couldn't swim that well. But it's a good way to build up your strength again. And unfortunately, in um, 
March, yeah, March 23rd, our little girl actually, she was at home with us. She was eight weeks old, happy family, you know, really enjoying having her with us. And um, she just stopped breathing and she got airlifted to King's in London. And unfortunately, she we had her for a week. And because of lifeguarding, actually, in swimming, I knew how to do CPR. Um, and I was trained in it, so I didn't think about it too much. I just did it and came naturally because I would had to do it in swimming instance before. So I was always, again, swimming came back into my life that I was able to help my child because of that. And they said that was that children where that had happened don't normally get to them in that state that they're still alive. But unfortunately, um, we lost her and um, she didn't make it. But we had a week with her, which was amazing. But all I wanted to do was get into the sea. And I remember my husband going, I could just stand on the beach and let you go in. I said, I'm going for a paddle. I said, and I could see kayakers out there, but... As soon as that was lifted, I was into that sea so quickly and just I felt at peace again. And I think that's what's so important to me. It's that feeling of peace. You you notice everything. You notice the birds. You notice the waves. You get out of the house to, to do something and you feel like you've achieved something. And some days, I'll be honest, I couldn't I didn't do anything. Um, obviously, looked after my other child, but sometimes that that was all my strength but I would make it to go for that swim and that yeah that felt like I'd achieved something and I know it sounds silly I take a picture and you I look back and I think oh god I was doing things and I can see how I progressed over the summer and yeah that made a real difference well obviously the first thing I have to say is you know I'm so sorry I, I actually hadn't really you know didn't know we were quite going to go there and I'm really sorry about your loss I really am um I, I can't imagine it um but I really connect with what you were saying about the sea. So what what did you what do you find about the sea that, that might help when you're kind of going through grief or going through a trauma or something like that? I think it's that what I love about the sea is it's always calm. And people expect us to always be one thing, to be happy or to be sad and to be this constant. But with the sea, it's never constant. Some days it will look like a mill pond and it's so beautiful as you watch the light reflecting off it and you see the, you know, the groins that are sticking out and just the birds sitting on there. You might see a seal pop up and you feel at one with it, which always feels a bit woo woo to me. And I'm, but it is how I feel. But then another day you go down there and the sea is stirred up and the waves are coming and it really rocks you, doesn't it, as you're swimming. And some days you have to think, okay, actually, should I get in? You have to make that call. But it really invigorates you and it definitely puts the heart racing. And I think, I always think you could have a good argument with the sea, but it also gives you a good a good hug as well. But watching the sea every day and watching the sky, for me, where we live, it's tidal. So I know everywhere's tidal, but you can only swim the two-hour windows twice a day. And so when it lines up with sunrise or sunset, you're aware things happening. Whereas sometimes when you, I suppose people who run, I'm not a runner, but who do others, they also connect with that seasons in a different way because you're, you're, you are forcing yourself. Cause I'm sure like me, Pat, sometimes you feel like I really don't want to go today. I'd rather stick 10 pins in my eyes, but you know, it's worth it for how you feel afterwards. <laughs> or sometimes you get there and you're like, Oh, the sea's too lumpy. I actually shouldn't get in and that can feel really annoying but I know I've got my hot flask so that makes me feel a little bit better and you can sit there and still look out (laughs) I 
grew up in different places. My parents are Irish and we moved ar- around a little bit. And um, I grew up in Pakistan, for, for moved there when I was about six. And I remember going and mum said, I'm only going because my dad got sent there for only going if there's a beach. Otherwise, I'm not going. And so dad said, it's OK. There's a beach. We can go every single Friday. It's 45 minute drive from the house. And mum said, fine. And we used to go to the beach. I remember dad telling me the rules, what months I couldn't swim because of the monsoons. And also if we had to look because of Portuguese men of war and, you know, watching it. And you didn't have to do that in Essex <laughs> in the same way. But there were certain months where you were not allowed to swim because it was just too dangerous. But there was also a rule. If you went in and you went out past a certain point, no one would come in to get you. And I used to think my dad was a horrible man for saying that. But then he said to me, he goes, Imogen, there was a man that did that. And 13 other people went in to save him, one after the other, and all of them died. And he was, that's, it's, you're taking that risk and it's understanding it. So I always think it is that with the sea. If you understand it, it understands you, which does sound woo-woo, but it's not. I really, really believe that. It's an element, isn't it? I used to swim a lot in Dublin as a child because we lived there. My parents are both Irish, and then they went to Essex, so Thorpe Bay, just near South End. Just got a thriving swimming community down there, and I we had a beach hut there, which was always amazing, just near South End. Used to get all of the older ladies there was one man actually that used to come and they used to come in their flannel dressing gowns have their swim and my mum would have the tea ready or sometimes it'd be a nip of whiskey whatever they wanted and we'd all just have this little community and I learned so much from them I was one of the youngest but they all just I don't know they all had a glow about them that's what I always remember there was this was a different glow and even if I seen them out at the shops it just I don't know what it was it just felt I found them a bit magical, like they were part mermaid. But that's what I used to believe as a child. I think swimming's taken me everywhere. I've swam in. Every, my friends will always laugh. We went to a music festival in Croatia and a lot of people would sit on the beach and maybe go for a swim. But I always used to swim and meet everyone at the pub in town. I wouldn't swim back, but I would swim, I don't know, as an hour's swim and they'd all walk there. I couldn't think of anything worse than walking there in the heat when I could swim. And then they'd be there with my towel and everything. And I used to feel like a bit of a celebrity because everyone would clap me as I got out. But then a few people started to join me for my swim there. And they were like, oh, this is amazing. We're seeing it. You're seeing the world, aren't you, from a different vantage point as you go past. You feel like a bird. You're in it, aren't you? I lived in London. I used to whitewater kayak a lot. I joined a kayaking club and I didn't realise it was white water. But I always remember going down to Wales and I was watching two swans and they used to, they used to, come out toddle up and there was a little bit of rapids and then they'd go down the rapids and then they get back out and toddle up and go back to the top I was like am I watching this they're definitely doing this for fun and they just go round and round and it almost looked like they were smiling it was amazing it was absolutely amazing but I love that yeah absolutely love that with just being able to swim and to absolutely be in it it's a totally different perspective on the world and on on everything around me really when I'm in the water that way just I think everything else vanishes and one of the things that I've noticed especially since lockdown is that we all appreciate our space and we do when you're locked in a house even though you've got more time on your own in some ways you've got less time because you're all there together and you're trying to keep 
you haven't really got the space sometimes just to be you or other people are on their own and they miss that connection and I know that we set up a swimming group in Whitstable only three weeks ago which is crazy and I know you're part of it you're a bluebell and um as part of the blue tits and it's just been we've got over 150 members now and just to see the Facebook page with people going oh I'm going for a swim at this time I'll meet you and some of them have been swimming for years and others haven't been swimming for that long but needed that motivation to help keep them going through winter and also to be safe because you should some people don't agree with me but I would always say I will not get in the water without a buddy being there with me though sometimes sometimes at odd time I I might take a risk but I really like I like want to know someone's on the shore even if they're not getting in with me but just for that thing in case you got cramp or you know in cold water I've done it where I think I feel amazing I can swim for miles and you some people can after lots of training, but you can get tired. And I remember being with a lady who I love who was like, I'm just going to swim out to the pole. And I said, oh, that's quite far and it's quite cold water and you're quite new. And you don't want to be the person saying no. And it's about confidence, isn't it, sometimes? I was like, you might get fatigue as you're going out to it or cramp. And then if you do, then I'll need to come out to you, which is fine. But it is really cold today, so I'm not sure if I will have that I've been in for quite a while now if you'd done it at the beginning it might have been okay but it's hard having those conversations sometimes because I think before I had Xanthi I I used to swim a lot on my own didn't really worry about it but now sometimes I think oh what would the consequence of that been and that makes a difference but also what I didn't realize my daughter doesn't like water she actually hates water and that's been a real shock to me because I probably because I put her in the sea too early sometimes, I think. But um, that's a lesson I've learned. But today, for the first time ever, she said, Mummy, I want to come in the sea with you because um, it looks so fun. And I said, oh, you know, we can when it gets a bit warmer, you know, maybe in June or maybe even May. But she was like, oh, but I want to be brave like you, Mummy. And I was having to explain to her about water temperature and how her body's different to mine and that she won't be able to read some of those signs. And and she was going, but my fingers go blue. I can get out. And I was laughing at her. I was like, it's amazing how much they pick up from you. Not that I advocate waiting until your fingers go blue. I don't do that. But it's, it's that's what she'd taken from it. But it's interesting. I was really touched when you were talking about swimming for that hour when you were going out with your mates but then gradually some of them would start joining you on that swim. And it is that sense of, of inspiring others to, to build this sense of community. And you were talking about the blue tits and, and, you know, me being a bluebell as well. Was there a blue tits group when you started it? No. And it was that, I think it's like anything, isn't it? There's an East Kent swimmers who I love and they're brilliant, but it's not always local. And it's, I always don't want to drive 45 minutes or I don't have time. I just want to be able to walk down or cycle down and get in the water. And all of a sudden, we set up the blue tits three weeks ago. And it was, I went swimming and I'd been sharing my photos, which I don't normally do, but I just think everyone needs a bit more happiness at the moment. And so I started to share them and I kind of, I know it sounds awful. I was like, oh God, am I going to get judged? Because, you know, for sharing these, they're going to say, what is she, who does she think she is there in her bikini with her woolly hat on? Does she love herself? And I was a bit 
sounds silly but I was a bit worried and then I started to share it and then someone said oh can I come for a cold water swim with you and I was like of course you can you know bring a flask bring some layers bring some warmth and I'll meet you down there and we'll see how we go and they came in and they loved it and they went again a couple of times with me and then they took someone else and they said to me, oh, Imogen, we want to set up the blue tits. Will you do it with us? And I was like, of course. So the three of us set up, you know, the blue tits group in Whitstable and there never was one. And now it's amazing to see the community and the relationships that are already forming. Because I think when you meet someone, where else do you go? Take off all your clothes, go for a swim. <laughs> and then when you get out, I think it's that, you know, because of the after drop and things, you, you do sit together you get your clothes on, but you have your drink and you warm up and you want to make sure everyone's okay before you go anywhere. And because I think you feel quite stripped bare, you're able to share a lot more and build much stronger relationships than you would day to day life. I don't know if yeah. you feel this, like you don't have so much like, how are you? Oh, I'm okay. It's much deeper than that and much quicker, I find. It's so sacred. And I think one of my favorite noises, I'd love to get like a garage. I love garage music. I'm not sure if I should admit that, but like a garage or a house music track that had the whooping. Because you know, when you go into the water and everyone kind of whoops and you're like, oh, 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 and you get that scream sometimes. And people on the shore are like, are you okay? And you're like, oh no, this, this is just how it is when you get in, especially when it hits certain regions of your body. And you have that kind of real whooping and it, it bonds you like birds really, doesn't it? It bonds you together. I don't know what it is about swimming and about how welcoming of a community it is. People don't care if you've been doing it for two minutes or 20 years. They might say something about dry robes or non-dry robes, but, but they, no, everyone is really friendly and welcome. But that's kind of a bit of banter, I think, so it gets people to know it quite quickly. But I found it if I went for a swim and I took off all my clothes and this woman went to me, she goes, oh, you're a lot smaller than I thought and I was really shocked because no one had ever mentioned kind of size or anything before but it, I said I looked at her I said I said I just like to wear a lot of clothes because it's cold but it really made me laugh that was the first time anyone had ever kind of commented but I always wear a bikini because I don't know why I just I always I think I liked the shock value when I was younger because you'd see people going past and then in winter I'd peel off into my bikini they'd all stare at me like I had 10 heads and maybe I quite enjoyed that bit, <laughs> but it's having the hat. And I never, yeah, even when I was pregnant or, you know, I just, it's that feeling of no, no one really cares. And having the water splash over you, it's just, it's just beyond, I think, anything else you can experience in many ways. There was so much we could talk about, about the experience of, of the joy of it. That whoop when everyone gets in. If I go in with my mates, it's often not so much a whooping as a more of a <laughs> and lots of swearing to uh, to get it out. But it's the same thing. It's a joyful kind of what are we doing kind of thing that's going on there, and it and I love it. I love it so much. But yeah, and then that that just that sense of being part of the sea with all these amazing people. So how big is the Blue Tits now in, in Whitstable? We've got over 150 people now, which is just, it's amazing. It's like a, feels like a full-time job trying to keep up with all the different posts, with different people going. But what it transcribes all ages as well. So you've got, you know, lots of older people, lots of younger people going, and they buddy up and talk to each other. And 
that's one of the things I love about the community. It's not like, oh, all the 20-year-olds stay together, all the 30-year-olds stay together. It's completely across the board and you learn and share so much. And then what you've organised, obviously, depending on social distancing and how it looks, a Christmas Day swim at half 10 in the morning. I don't think I've looked forward to Christmas this much since I was a child. And uh, this year I thought was going to be really difficult, but actually I'm now really excited about our swim and we're going to hopefully have, like, depending where people are, we allowed fires on the beach in Whitstable in Tankerton. So we're going to have some fires on the beach for when people come out and everyone's going to wear a hat and, you know, bring some mulled wine or mulled cider and some mince pies or whatever they fancy. And again, come and have that real sense of community. And on a Sunday when I go and swim, that's once a week I try and have a fire after swimming. And so we go as a family and we sit together and Duncan, my husband, is a chef. So he will always cook something that really warms you up from the inside and gives you that. You want that warmth coming through, don't you? That that hot drink. You don't always realise how important it is because what you want to do is get in a hot bath or put the heaters on in the car. But you but that's not necessarily the best thing to do for your body, is it? But getting that something hot inside feels amazing. Yeah. What sort of advice would you give somebody who was interested in taking it up? My first thing would be to just do it. You'll feel amazing. Um, Not to overthink it, because sometimes it's the fear of something that stops you. And don't feel like you need to have all the gear. To me, if you, this is my opinion, of course it's not, but it's, if, you know, if you've got a wetsuit, it's great, but it will let you stay in for longer. But that first minute, it doesn't really make a difference. You're still going to feel that coldness. So just don't think because someone's in a bikini that they're being braver. It doesn't mean that it's still going to going to fit to just get in. But the biggest thing for me is when you get out is having that hot drink. So you've got a flask there with something hot to help warm you up. Make sure you don't go for the first time on your own to make sure you've got someone with you to keep talking while you're in there so that you know that your brain is functioning properly and to stay in your depth the first time and don't think oh it's 14 degrees so I'm going to stay in for 14 minutes or it's nine degrees I'm going to stay in for stay in till you feel like you want to get out or if it starts to feel warm get out of that water because it's you've been in there for too long we've all done it it's just and just enjoy it my, but my one of my top tips though is I always put I've got a really long water bottle and I wrap my socks and all my dry things to get into around that and I feel amazing when I get out. I want to get a dry robe. I haven't got one yet. I've got a um, I just have some towels, so a towel to stand on, so it feels nice and it doesn't feel too cold. You know, on the pebbles or on the sand. I've got a nice towel to stand on, and I've got layers. I have a t-shirt, a jumper. People love me. I've got two coats. One is like a woolen coat. And then the other one makes me look like a cross between Pat Butcher and Bet Lynch <laughs> with a big leopard print coat that everyone can see. But it's so lovely and snug and warm and those layers that you can then start to peel off when you when you get home. But it's just, yeah, just get in there and do it and, and enjoy it. Don't overthink it would be my top things to say oh that's yeah I, I couldn't say anything better than that but truthfully um i'm getting the sense from you that this is actually part of an overall lifestyle thing as well not just not just swimming because you you you're involved in like food as well i don't think i realized how many outdoor things 
that I did. So I always thought, oh, I need to live by the sea or I need to be here. But I used to go to the Lido a lot and used to go to the ponds. And sometimes I explored more places because you had more options in a close area. And I, used to, I started foraging when I was in London because I got told I couldn't. So I thought, I can. And um, I found lots of local, like Burgess Park and Southwark Park around. And then when we moved out of London, because I did want to live by the sea when I had, when I knew I was pregnant and I wanted to give her that excitement that I'd had from the sea and from yeah. the mud and just the joy. But outside, definitely, I n- would never call myself an outdoor person, but I know now as I get older that, that I am. And yeah, being outside in the woods and foraging for our food watching I do buy things as well but watching the different seasons change and that feeling in March for me when the wild garlic comes out you can smell that real pungentness of it and getting that and making things with it or the elderflowers and often I'll pick things as I'm going down to swim and it's been interesting to watch with some of the other swimmers that I go with some people know lots and some don't know any but they're starting to pick up all oh, that sea kale and also around the seaweed, you know, we get there's quite a lot you can forage from the sea. So it definitely is a lifestyle choice and one that people used to call me eccentric for maybe 10 years ago. But now people, I think, feel quite out of tune with the seasons. Yeah, having that, the presence of the seasons, I think, yeah, is huge to me. Yeah. Our business is called um, Bangers and Balls, which always sounds a bit naughty because when we started out, it was around sausages and around meatballs and also vegan balls. And it was showing that you could use really good quality ingredients and you could make them stretch. So you didn't have to spend £20 on the best piece of meat. It was affordable for everyone. And we used to do a lot of pop-up restaurants. Um, We still do pop-up supper clubs, but we pop up somewhere unusual. So we've done them before. We've taken people to the farms to pick their own vegetables and see where it grows. And then we popped up on the beach and Duncan's done cooking lessons on the beach and everyone's had their own little fire to cook on to learn and then we've eaten there at sunset and then I've timed it of course so that you could go for a swim but I never thought about that as being connected with swimming but we do that and we pop up in different farms so we really connect with the nature and what's outside and then we have a weekly Sunday brunch club that we do online so we invite people to watch it at home they can cook along with us if they want but we all can eat the same breakfast sometimes can't we every single day And it's making once a week thinking, okay, I'm going to eat something different. This is quite a nice time to have with family. What's in season and what could I have? And to me, that's really important. So yeah, our business definitely completely connects. And we've just set up a membership group where we learn to preserve one thing a week. So we're doing cranberry hot sauce or we do wild garlic, um, wild garlic like ketchup, which is amazing. And also like elderberry berry elderflower wine though I have learned to check how strong it is because um I left the keys on the door after I'd had too many of my own elderflower potion but yeah it's um just it's been a business that's been evolving over the last three years and now we're also looking at Duncan's been sharing some of his tips on what to eat after a swim and how to make it really tasty but also so that you can carry it and keep it warm um yeah I used to have a pot noodle but I've evolved a little bit (laughs) Not much sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I've met him. <laughs> Imogen, thank you so much for spending some time with me talking about swimming. And how can people find you? Three ways to find me. We've got the blue tits for Whitstable, which you can put in on Facebook and you'll find it. 
If you want to have a look at what we're doing in our business, it's um, Bangers and Balls. It's always a good one to remember. And if you want to follow my swimming, it's Wild Girls Gone Swimming, which also sounds a bit of an innuendo on Instagram. Love to hear from you. And I'm really looking forward to listening to everyone's stories in the podcast about swimming and delighted to have been asked on this. And I'm just so excited about the growing community that's yeah, it's connecting people all over the world. Thank you to Imogen for a really honest, funny, frank and compelling chat. It was a real pleasure to spend an hour with her and I'm sure that you want to talk about it or you might want to ask questions or you might want to discuss stuff. And I'm delighted to say that the Joyous Swimming discussion group is now live on Facebook. Feel free to join that group, ask questions. I know that everybody who's a guest on the podcast at various points will be part of the group and we'll be very happy to answer questions or be happy to engage in a chat about stuff. That's what I want this to be. I want this to be a community of people, not just not just for you as passive, passive listeners to the podcast. I'd like you to actually be able to feed back to me and let me know what works for you, what isn't working for you, what you'd like more of, what you might want a bit less of, ways in which I can make this better for you. It's really important to me that you get value from what I'm doing. Get in the discussion group, get sharing, put in pictures, what you're up to, what the weather's like, what the water's like. Bring in some of the vibrancy of what we all experience every time we get in the water. I just want to remind you about the competition that's running at the moment to win one of five copies of Sarah Norquay's beautiful book, Salt on My Skin. You can enter by subscribing to the podcast, sharing it with your friends, sharing it with your family, sharing it with anyone who might be interested in swimming, share it in all the swimming groups. And then once you've shared it, just pop into the Joyous Swimming discussion group, find the post there where you can actually just write the word done. The competition ends on January 31st when I'm going to be doing a live draw for the five winners. Thank you again for all your support. Stay safe and happy swimming. Thank you for listening to the Joy of Swimming podcast hosted by Pat Kelman. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast by pressing the subscribe button on the podcast catcher of your choice. Music by Phil Innes.